At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Adam Shine Podcast. Episode number nine of the Adam Shine Podcast. Thrilled to be with you. Another incredible week in the NFL and a tremendous week coming up in the National Football League. We have a great guest, one of my all-time favorite people in the National Football League, NFL MVP, one of the best analysts in all of sports television. We worked together on Sirius XM Radio for a long time. Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon from CBS, NFL and CBS, CBS Sports Network, joins us for some great, hard-hitting, hardcore NFL conversation. Plus, you don't want to miss the single greatest story ever involving Rich Gannon, Elvis Gerback, the Kansas City Chiefs, and People Magazine. Three topics for you to get the party started on the podcast this week. Topic number one, Matt Nagy. The ultimate combination of arrogance and ignorance. Now, normally, because I only talk to you on the podcast once a week, as opposed to the daily radio show or television show where we interact every single day, I try to have a variety of topics when we start on a week-in, week-out basis. So I'm not redundant in, in any way, shape, or form. And last week, I used this space uh, about a week ago to absolutely positively destroy Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy. It got worse. And of all the things that happened in week number eight of the National Football League, nothing fired me up more than Matt Nagy's arrogance and ignorance. It was a complete and utter disrespectful mess. If I'm a fan of the Chicago Bears, or sports, or math, or logic, or football, I am offended. Matt Nagy holding for a 41-yard field goal with 43 seconds left is absurd. It made no sense. I was watching this in real time, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, the issues for the Bears in terms of kicking are well-documented. David Montgomery has run the ball effectively all day. Did I mention it's a 41-yard field goal? Not exactly a chip shot. You you could throw it. You could run it. You were not in 100% makeable field goal range. Matt Nagy absolutely embarrassed himself. And then to go to the post-game news conference and be so ignorant and defiant and just start yelling and scolding the press, it's over. I mean, Matt Nagy, and I've said this before, he's not a good in-game coach. Last year, and you know I have a vote for all these NFL awards, I didn't even consider him for coach of the year. Because I remember in 2018 the Miami game and the Giants game and underachievement and bad play calling and, you know, collapses and bad play selection. Yeah, they won a lot of games. But Matt Nagy, if you watched him in-game, didn't know what the hell he was doing. 
And what transpired on on Sunday, that was a disaster. And by the way, Mitch Trubisky's atrocious, okay? And then on Monday, you have Matt Nagy doubling down on Mitch Trubisky. Of course, he's our quarterback. Of course, he's the quarterback. You, you clearly didn't trust him to throw in that spot. You told the world under no circumstance would you throw a run in that spot. You basically neutered your quarterback, and then you, you, you think it's a crazy question when the Chicago press asks you if Mitch is still the guy? Look, it's over for Mitch Trubisky. It's over. He's done as the Bears starter. The The coach doesn't trust him. The teammates don't trust him. By the way, Mitch Trubisky, fourth quarter interception, fourth quarter fumble, missing open receivers galore. And how about Matt Nagy's atrocious play calling in the red zone? It was like 14 plays for 17 yards. Way too cute. Didn't use Montgomery. The game management and clock management at the end of the second quarter it's predictably deplorable. Bears fans went nuts when I said preseason you weren't making the playoffs. Listen, I mean, we're, we're taping this on the Tuesday before Halloween. The season's over before Halloween. I at least thought you'd get to Christmas and just be on the outside looking in because I didn't like the coach and the quarterback. And look, there's a big picture here. You know, Ryan Pace is the general manager who hired Nagy, who traded up and drafted Trubisky as opposed to Deshaun Watson, as opposed to Patrick Mahomes. In real time, I favored Watson and Mahomes over Trubisky. I also argue they should have stayed at three and picked Jamal Adams. That was my big take from the 2017 draft. You know, Ryan Pace needs to take a hit. He got fleeced in that trade, and we said as much on TV, on Time to Shine, on CBS Sports Network, on radio, on the Football Friday after the 2017 draft, on on Mad Dog Sports Radio, on Sirius XM. I mean, it, it, it was a no-brainer how awful that deal was. And Ryan Pace is completely overmatched. And they're wasting, you know, they're an all-time heist with the Khalil Mack trade. And that is sad, that is wrong, that is unfortunate, and listen, it's over for Mitch, right? I mean, he's not going on the road and beating Philadelphia this week. Come on. And at some point, he's going to be the ex-quarterback of the Bears. He's not going to be their starter next year. I know that. You know that. But here's the bigger question. Should Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy be the ones to choose the next quarterback of the Chicago Bears? It's over for Mitch. His confidence is shod. Matt Nagy, this arrogant, defiant, ignorant act, clueless act, that'll seal the deal in terms of any fans he had left, fans or media in Chicago. What a dumpster fire the Chicago Bears have become. So that's topic number one. Topic number two, just to warm the heart of the fans of the Chicago Bears, Deshaun Watson. Hey, could I add Deshaun Watson? And how about it? After the Texans beat the Bears, and how great was our friend Andrew Catalan on the call on CBS when Watson threw the go-ahead touchdown with one eye. With one eye. You had John Gruden compare Deshaun Watson to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, some of the Bears fans are very familiar with. <laughs> I'd rather have Deshaun Watson with one eye than Mitch Trubisky with two. I mean, that's that's where we're at right now if you're a fan of the Chicago Bears. 
Watson has a knack. Watson's clutch. Watson is top five for league MVP. Watson makes the impossible possible. He's doing it despite issues and injuries and bad coaching with Bill O'Brien. And I want to stress this. J.J. Watt done for the year, and that's a big blow. It doesn't change my opinion on Houston, A, making the playoffs, B, winning the division, because of the genius here of Deshaun Watson. I still believe Deshaun Watson is the ultimate deodorant, covers up what stinks. Look, it's not easy going up against the Jaguars, especially in London. That's going to be a highly competitive game coming up on on Sunday morning. And Gardner Minshew, Leonard Fournette, and Calais Campbell, Josh Allen, Doug Marone's club, they've got it going on. But I think that Deshaun Watson has been this season and in his entire NFL career and at Clemson, Jordan-esque. And I expect the Houston Texans to beat Jacksonville. And I expect the Texans to still make the playoffs and win a division. Now, speaking of Michael Jordan, topic number three. I have said forever that Aaron Rodgers is Jordan. Not in terms of the rings. And I always have to preface that. My friend Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman once did a full segment on a rant I had on Aaron Rodgers being Michael Jordan, the Michael Jordan of the NFL. That goes back to the Cowboy-Packer playoff game now a couple of Januaries ago where he was just unstoppable in the divisional round and it was awesome. Aaron Rodgers is Jordan-esque in terms of making the impossible possible. That's who he is. That's what he does. Can't believe he just did that like on Sunday night. I still can't believe that on a play where he was rushed and flushed and he's going with his momentum in the wrong way, looked like he was chucking it away on a third and one in the red zone, throwing it out of bounds, right into the breadbasket, back of the end zone of Jamal Williams. My favorite thing, and NBC did a great job of this, they showed him, great job by the guys in the truck, looking up at the big board, at the replay and smiling. I mean... How cool is that? By the way, Aaron Rodgers, you can make the case, is the leader for league MVP. Aaron Rodgers is unbelievable. I don't even consider that throw a top 10 throw in the incredible career of Aaron Rodgers. That's how amazing this guy is. You need to always make sure that you celebrate, you appreciate the genius of Aaron Rodgers. Look, my opinion right now, until we see Mahomes healthy, there are four teams, debate the order, that could win the Super Bowl this year. Packers, Patriots, Saints, Niners. Those are the four teams. Green Bay has a defense. Green Bay has a run game. Love what Matt LaFleur and Rodgers are doing with Aaron Jones. Throwing it to him out of the backfield. Free Aaron Jones. We said Mike McCarthy should have done that over the last few years. Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur, as we predicted, have a great rapport, great relationship, and the Green Bay Packers, because they employ Michael Jordan at the quarterback position, they have a great opportunity to go to the Super Bowl and win it. Boy, I really threw a dagger in those three topics into the heart of the Chicago fans. Nice job. We will have a great interview with our good friend Rich Gannon. How do I know it was great? <laughs> I already did it. And it comes up next right here on the Adam Shine Podcast.
Sign on Sports with Adam Sign. Miami Dolphins' plan is better than the Pittsburgh Steelers' plan. They don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a third-round pick. They don't have a fifth-round pick next year in Pittsburgh. Is Mike Tomlin going to be the head coach? They failed to bring in the requisite talent after Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown left. The Miami Dolphins are doing it right. The Steelers, they're going about this in the wrong way. Sign on Sports. Weekdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Sirius XM Channel 82. Joining us right now here on the Adam Shine Podcast. We did a radio show together for years on Sirius XM. We work together every single Monday on CBS Sports Network on NFL Monday QB. He is an absolute gem of an analyst on the NFL on CBS, does a sensational job in the broadcast booth. Longtime NFL quarterback, NFL MVP, and just the world's greatest guy. My friend, the great Rich Gannon, nice enough to join us here on the podcast Listen, Rich, we've done radio, we've done TV, you know, I had to make sure that you were part of every single medium we're on, so welcome to the podcast. Adam, this is awesome. What a treat. You know, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm always happy when you do new things and, and try new things, and uh, you've, you've been a success at everything you've done, so I'm just delighted that you would include me in the podcast. Oh, Rich, that, that, that makes my day. I really appreciate it. And listen, there's so much good stuff to pick your brain on. First and foremost, and you had a great strong take this past Monday on NFL Monday QB to start the show. Rich, what on earth is going on here with the Cleveland Browns? Well, you know, as I mentioned to you the other day, Adam, I'm kind of tired and really fed up with a lot of the excuses that are coming out of Cleveland, whether it's the, the head coach or the quarterback. Um, you know, the penalties, the turnovers, it's, it's unacceptable. They, they lead the league right now in, in penalties accepted. Uh, they lack discipline. And I say it all the time. You know, you know and Freddie Kitchen said, well, we don't coach penalties. Well, Coach, I, I'm here to tell you, you're, you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. And I think it's they're allowing it to happen. And, and you're, you're, you're a good coach. You've got to make sure that it's a point of emphasis every week. You know, a lot of teams will bring out officials uh, to work the practices on Thursday and, and Wednesday and, and Friday just to make sure that, you know, we're not having guys line up in a neutral zone or false start penalties or a defensive backs grabbing a hold of receivers. And so they hire – local college officials or high school officials to work their practices. I don't know if Cleveland's doing that or not, but maybe they should start. Uh, they definitely need to start. It, it has been an absolute mess. And, and to me, so much of this is on Freddie. I, I still can't believe, Rich, that he was even on the list to be interviewed and considered to be the head coach. But when you break it down, I'm curious. And there's a lot of stuff, right, in Cleveland. How much of it is on Baker Mayfield? I think a lot of it, Adam, you know, I think there's inexperience with Freddie in terms of calling plays. I think that really, uh, you see that uh, manifest itself in mistakes that they make. You go back to the New England game, they, they're trying to go for it on fourth down. They, they have a situation where they're, they're, they're not communicating with the special teams group, so that group runs on the field, and then they, you know, just the mess. So I think he's in over his head a little bit. I would also tell you that the quarterback – you know, leads the league in, in, in interceptions. Uh, he's not playing particularly well. And, 
they've got to, I think they've, when you've got a situation like that, you've got to take the ball out of his hands a little bit. They've got this running back, Nick Chubb, who's really, really good. And they've got an off- offensive line that struggles a little bit. And they've got a defense, quite frankly, that's playing pretty well. That defense played well enough on Sunday to give them a chance to win. They kept them in that game. And the turnovers were just too much to overcome. But I would say that you know, more Nick Chubb and less Baker Mayfield is probably the way to go here over the next month. You were in the CBS booth for the Saints and the Cardinals over this past weekend, Rich. And you did a great breakdown I saw it on the NFL Today. You did it with us on on Tops on CBS Sports Network. Take everybody through what Drew Brees had to do in order to get back and then what you saw in terms of the execution this past Sunday. I don't think people realize the significance of of that injury, Adam. You know, it's really a three-month healing process. You know, last week was six weeks, you know, like, like you'd expect a Drew Brees. He left no stone unturned in terms of researching the best uh, doctors. He, he went to Stephen Shin, who's at the Curlum Job Clinic in Los Angeles. He talked to other athletes who've had similar type of injuries. So he really did his due diligence. And not only that, but he also found the best physical therapist who specializes in hand surgeries and, and rehab to work with. So he stayed out in Los Angeles for the two weeks after the surgery, started that process. And he said he really created a rehab protocol for this particular type of injury. It's not like there was one out there that existed to get you back on the field in six weeks, right? Right. So he, he started throwing. He actually started throwing without a ball. And then he got a weighted ball and started throwing into an inverted trampoline. And then he got a, a Nerf ball and so he could work on the grip. And then he eventually worked his way up to bigger footballs until he got to an NFL uh, regulation football. So, I mean, it, it's been an amazing journey, if you will, over six weeks. I think the fact that they won five straight games with Teddy Bridgewater only heightened his uh, desire to get back on the field, sure. if you will, even Drew Brees. But, you know, look, Sean Payton did a great job, I think, uh, you know, putting him in a position. And, of course, you know, Drew Brees did the wet. The rest. I was surprised. Not only did they ease them into it, Adam, I think he threw the ball 43 times. That's Sean Payton, and I love that stuff in terms of Drew Brees and his work ethic in terms of getting back. Rich, in your opinion, and to me there's a class, right? I I look at four teams that I could see right now. I'm not putting the Chiefs in. That was my preseason pick until I see Mahomes healthy and playing like Patty Mahomes. I think there are four teams that can win the Super Bowl this year in whatever order. The Packers, the Saints, the Patriots, the 49ers. Agree, disagree, why? I like those teams, Adam, and I, I, I agree. And I think a lot of it has to do with the play of their defense. Yeah. I mean, let's start with the 49ers and the New England Patriots. I mean, the Patriots are the best defense in football. They're giving up a little over seven points a game. They've got 31 sacks. They've got 25 takeaways, including – 13 in the last three games. So, I mean, they've been dominating defensively while the offense has really, I don't want to say struggled, but they've yet to kind of find their identity. Mm-hmm. I saw a, a quote this morning from Dante Scarnecchia, their offensive line coach, and he says, hey, look, we're not doing a good enough job up front, and they've got to play better. I mean, the, the protection hasn't been great. They haven't been able to run the ball with Sony Michelle, and I, I think that 
that's still a work in progress. They've gone through a lot of changes with personnel, not only along the offensive line, but certainly at the wide receiver position. They just picked up Mohamed Sanu. So that's think about how scary that is, Adam. This is a team that still has – they haven't found the rhythm offensively, and they're undefeated. It's amazing. And I, I, I think you have to look at what's taking place in San Francisco. The way they're running the football right now, the way they beat you up with their offensive line, uh, no one's running the ball more often than the 49ers. And, oh, by the way, their defense is only giving up four passing touchdowns. I mean, they got a great defensive line. Just think back 18 months ago, it was the worst, one of the worst defensive lines in football. It's amazing how quickly they've turned things around in San Francisco. And certainly John Lynch deserves a lot of the credit, uh, as does Coach Shanahan. He has done an amazing job building that organization the bottom up. Oh, without question. And those guys are super bright and they're great guys and they've spent a lot in terms of draft capital and free agency trades on that defensive line. You know, Nick Bosa's been unbelievable. They deserve a, a ton of credit. Rich, you're one of the voters for league MVP. I'm one of the voters for league MVP. At the midway point of the season, do you have a front runner? I have a couple guys that really stand out to me, Adam. I think I, I, I think you look at Russell Wilson. You know, he's throwing just one pick. I always say he does more with less. I, I look at his creativity, his ability to, you know, make a play out of nothing. I, I just think his competitive he, – he makes the Seahawks so much better. And, you know, I look at that division and I just think, my gosh, you've got the Rams, yeah. you've got the 49ers, you've got the Seahawks. I, you know, there's – Somebody's not going to make the playoffs, but, you know, uh, and their defense hasn't been as dominant. I, I look at Russell Wilson, but I think the guy that jumps out to me right now, Mahomes getting injured certainly doesn't help his situation, but Aaron Rodgers has really come on the last three weeks. Ten touchdowns, just the one interception. Uh, this is a 7-1 and one football team, and a big reason why is the play of Aaron Rodgers uh, and also Aaron Jones, but uh, I, I think you also have to give credit where credit is due, and uh, you know, it's it's a it's the first time in 14 years that he's really had to learn a, a different system, and that's that's not easy for a quarterback that had so much success uh, under Mike McCarthy. So I give Matt Lafleur some credit in terms of how they've been able to build this thing and work together. And and I just think Aaron Rodgers right now, if he can stay healthy, 16 touchdowns, just two picks, uh, he's got to be your front runner. How about the Raiders this season? You know, I, I know that your your guy, John Gruden, he's always going to judge it by wins and losses. Rich, I'm seeing a lot of good things. You know, the Antonio Brown situation, even in terms of talent, just torpedoed the season. They, they can run the ball effectively with Josh Jacobs. I think Derek Carr has played really well, all things considered. They've shown some toughness. What have you seen thus far this season from the Raiders? Well, I would say, you know, the, the thing that concerns me a little bit, Adam, is just their, their inconsistency. You know, one week you watch them and they, they play lights out on both sides of the ball. Then yeah. you come back another week and then they're not as good and they've got some mistakes and turnovers and those type of things. I, I really like the back. I think he's a special player, and I think he's going to be a great one for a long time. He, he just he's, uh, he's only going to get better in the passing game. I also look at their defense, they are playing with a lot of young players right now. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a while until they put it all together. But I think they are making progress. I think this is a team that's 
bigger up front. I think they're more athletic. Uh, I think they're. I think you you bring up a great point, Adam. Antonio Brown really set them back. You know, he played the flanker position in this offense, and they created an entire package just for him. You know, to have him in the slot, to have him play the X receiver, to have him play the flanker receiver, and then all of a sudden, you know, right before the start of the season, uh, you know, they have to make a decision, and now they don't really have someone uh, to fill that that role and and they've been looking they you know Zay Jones I mean you know they they've been making a lot of decisions to try and find someone to come in there uh and be that flanker for them so um that really set him back I, I think more so than maybe people even realize especially the first five or six weeks Rich we're getting to the final few Sundays in the black hole for the Raiders before they move to Vegas how would you describe what that was like. I mean, you were on a Raider team where you, you guys were a bunch of rock stars, and you would kick ass, you would take names, you know, Gruden, Gannon, you're playing at an MVP level, winning an MVP, you know, going to Super Bowls. What was that like playing in Oakland, especially during that time where the Raiders were so dominant and so much fun? I don't know, it was special because – when I went there, it wasn't a very good team. And, you know, John was, you know, had had his first year there. He had Jeff George as his quarterback. They made a decision to move on from Jeff George. They really brought me in. And, look, I, it wasn't like I was throwing for 5,000 yards every season in Kansas City. So right. they, he kind of stuck his neck out for me. We quickly developed a bond, a trust, and we eventually, I think, change the culture and the environment there. And we did it by bringing in the right type of players. You know, it didn't happen overnight. Uh, but, you know, we went that first year, uh, you know, we, we lost. We were probably the most competitive team in, in football. We lost a, a lot of games at kick. And, you know, we had the worst kicker in the league. And then we drafted Sebastian Janikowski the following year. And we go 12-4 and four in year two. And we started bringing in the right type of players. You know, we signed guys like Jerry Rice and, you know, John Perella, Trace Armstrong, Rod Woodson. I mean, we started bringing in players that were professionals, you know, that, that took great pride in their preparation, their performance. And we started getting rid of the guys that didn't really love football. You know, John always talks about, do you love football? Do you love the work that goes into preparing uh, for a championship season? And so, you know, the unfortunate thing for me was is my first three years there, um, you know, we had a lot of success and, uh you know, I went to three straight Pro Bowls, and, and uh, you know, the, the, from year from, from 2000 to 2002, we went to, you know, we, we won three AFC West titles with the two AFC championship games. We go to a Super Bowl, and then all of a sudden, you know, obviously after the 2001 season, we lose the tuck roll game, and the owner trades away the head mm-hmm. coach, <laughs> which, which honestly, as much as I respect and admire and learned a lot from Al Davis, I think, you know, if Mr. Davis were still around, he'd say that was the worst decision he ever made because, you know, we were building something really special there, and that, in my opinion, really set that organization back. Keep in mind, after that Super Bowl loss, that was an organization that didn't have a winning season for a very long time. Yeah, I don't think that's exaggeration in any way, shape, or form. Now, Rich, before we let you go, you reference your days in, in Kansas City. And and when you told me this story, I I lost it. I I I couldn't stop crying. 
you know, you you were a great player in Kansas City, winner. But but I don't know if everybody knows the depth of of everything that you were part of in in KC. When when you were actually named in 1998, oh, <laughs> are we really going there? <laughs> the, the sexiest man in the NFL, but yet, Rich, you never got the glory for it. Do you want to do the honors, or should I? <laughs> well, Adam, it's it's uh, it's actually a funny story, and I think it made its way to People Magazine several years later, but. Of course, I knew nothing about it, right? So uh, I guess there was this editor at People Magazine, and, and her job was to go around and, uh, you know, line up some of these people to do photo shoots. And so they said, hey, get that quarterback in Kansas City. And I was starting at the time. I started for, like, you know, I think seven games prior to the playoffs uh, when Marty made that uh, obvious uh, bonehead decision to start Elvis bonehead. me against against the Broncos when we were thirteen and three. Anyway, so they the 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 uh, editor said, well, they called and they didn't. They just thought that hey, that who's the starting quarterback <laughs> in Kansas City? Looked at the depth chart. They said this guy Elvis Gerbach. So she uh, reached out, I guess, to the agent, and they lined it up, and he goes and does the photo shoot. <laughs> and nothing against nothing against Elvis, but like it's not like he's he's you know. It's not like he's Tom Cruise. He's not Brad Pitt. He's not Brad Pitt. So, so he does this photo shoot and absolutely gets destroyed by by members of the team, including the offensive line, who who can't get enough of it. Right? It's, it's in the deal. He's got this like I don't know. He's got like a turtleneck on. I mean, it, it, it was not a good look. Right? Thank goodness. Right? I probably would have said thanks, but no thanks. I would have said I, I appreciate the uh, the honor. It's really nice, but I think I'm going to pass. Right. right? Because I didn't want to take. I would have gotten destroyed in the locker room just like Elvis. And so anyway, he gets destroyed, and then it then it turns out several years later that the, the, the mistake was was revealed, and then I, it only got worse for him. So anyway, it is what it is, but. Very nice of you to bring that up, Adam. My wife still enjoys that story when I share it with her. I, because my wife doesn't think I'm good-looking, of course. I tell, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm not a bad-looking guy. 1998, sexiest man in the NFL. But the best part was at the end of the article on Elvis, because the, the she takes it back to the editors and people, and the article's final line says, I'm literally crying right now, his personality <laughs> makes him sexy. That is very funny. I, I think I think they, they looked at the pictures and they said, wait a minute, do we make a mistake? But at that point, I guess it was too late. They had a, they had a deadline. Adam, you know about deadlines. They had oh, a deadline. yeah. Uh, I love that the offensive line killed them. Rich, you're the best. We, we appreciate it. Working with you is a treat, my friends. Always appreciate the time, the analysis, the information, the humor. You're the best, and and this this story always takes the cake. Appreciate it, my friend. We'll talk to you again real soon. You're the best. See you, brother. Rich Gannon with us here on the Adam Shine Podcast. I'm crying. For more of me, Adam Shine, and who doesn't want more me? I love me. 
You can listen to me on my Sirius XM radio show. Shine on sports. We always get the best guests. Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry. I mean, we live for this. Best guests in all the sports talk radio. Best callers. It airs every weekday, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern. Sirius XM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. You can also listen to the radio show on demand with the Sirius XM app. Adam Shine, not telling you to wager on football, but here we go. When you're hot, you're hot. And we're hot. Let's be honest. We are piping, piping hot, picking games against the spread. 10 and 5 last week, 68, 52, and 1 on the season. 68 52 and one on the season. Now, last week on the podcast, you know, I was telling you how Bob Stew is atrocious on Thursday Night Football, and yet again, he embarrassed himself. In fact, after the pod, when Bob said he liked Minnesota, I started thinking about it. You know what? Washington could keep it close. And Kirk Cousins, obviously, in a big spot going against his former team. So on Shine on Sports on Thursday, I picked Washington with the points. You know, the determining factor, and this is proven science. You know, you look at what Bob Stew does for Thursday Night Football, and then you go with the exact opposite pick. So Bob is now 1-7 picking Thursday Night Football. Bob, the spread coming up for the ball game on Thursday. San Francisco favored by nine and a half against the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. Who are you taking in this one? Oh, American Kennedy is going to love this because I love the Arizona Cardinals. Yes! Yes, yes, I'm sure. I'm sure everybody's going to be on the 49ers bandwagon after they put up 51 points on Carolina. But here's the thing with Thursday Night Football. First of all, I have gotten pretty much every pick wrong. One and seven. I do like the home team. I love these home underdogs this year, especially getting nine and a half. Arizona's not that bad. The offense has been clicking. I know what happened against the Saints. That was on the road. Drew Brees played great. They actually played a great first half, the Cardinals. They did. I do like the Cardinals this one. I love Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray. Yes. Oh, the offense has been clicking. Yes. The defense is not that bad. Patrick Keep Peterson talking, back. Bob. Look, I do like the Cardinals in this one. I think they'll cover that 9.5. They're not winning the game. Don't get me wrong. They're not going to win the game. Congratulations no. to the San Francisco 49ers on their <laughs> double-digit victory over the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, for the record, Jolie Shine likes the Niners. Maya Shine likes the Niners. Theo Shine likes the Arizona Cardinals. Yes. You know, he has a Josh Rosen jersey that the team sent him. You know, I've got a Cardinals sweatshirt. I got a Cardinals fleece. I got a Cardinals t shirt. I got a Cardinals hat. I'm all in on the San Francisco 49ers. By the way, and I mentioned how hot I am, I took a look at the spreads this morning. Okay. You want to hear something wild at first glance? I like every favorite except for Cleveland. What? (laughs) Just running through it. Jets over the Dolphins. Texans over the Jags. Bills will win by double digits against Washington. Kyle Allen, Carolina, only three and a half against Tennessee. Philly favored by five against the artist formerly known as the Bears. We don't have a line right now on Chiefs-Vikings as we tape around 2 Eastern time on a Tuesday. Colts favored by one in Pittsburgh. Love Indianapolis. Raiders favored by two against Detroit. 
I like Oakland. Seattle favored by six and a half against Tampa. I mean, Jameis Winston throwing in the great Northwest. That's going to be ugly. I mentioned Cleveland. As we sit here right now, Green Bay is somehow only favored by three on the road at home in Los Angeles. That's going to be 100% of Packer fan base in, in, in L.A. The Chargers don't have any fans in Los Angeles. Nice job moving from San Diego to Los Angeles. My goodness. Patriots favored by three and a half against Baltimore. And the Cowboys favored by seven against the Giants. I think Which, the, what's yeah. your biggest disagreement? I think the biggest disagreement I have is Detroit. Detroit is a two-point underdog in Oakland. Come on, Matthew Stafford's going to shred the Raiders secondary. He's a dark horse candidate for MVP. He's been fantastic this year. He never gets enough credit because usually the lines are pretty horrible. <laughs> Derek Carr, been... though, played well against Houston. Derek's been awesome. He's Josh Jacobs, year. I think, can run the ball against him. Gruden's done a great job with that yeah. offense. They don't have a ton of pieces either, but the all the O-line has been really great this year. Carr's been awesome. Tyrell Williams was great last week, aside from the drop pass. He did have the touchdown. Of course, targeting Gary and Conley. But I do like the Lions in that game. I think their offense is pretty solid. I think they're going to put up a lot of points on Oakland. That would probably be my biggest disagreement. I'm trying to think if there's another disagreement. But, but doesn't it go you? noted that I just go through that, you know, subject to change, but that's where I'm at mentally on a Tuesday, and only one potentially jumps out? It's a very interesting week here at the midway point of the season. I'd love to say the Bears you with can't. the five. You can't. But, man, they're embarrassing. No, you they're can't. They're embarrassing. Was it Matt Nagy just going to keep kneeling the ball down? <laughs> Come on. Probably. <laughs> Fantasy football is next. Adam Sine. Fantasy football legend. You know, I'm obsessed with this daily fantasy. This DraftKings League is unbelievable. And, you know, my buddy Stone, my childhood best friend, who I always talk about, we live in the same town now. He didn't even have any disagreements. He doesn't like when I played DeAndre Hopkins, but Hopkins, you know, he gave you 25 points. Texans against the Raiders, and, you know, I have no regrets about that. Took some low-budget flyers. You know, Corey Davis, that was a failure. Mike Williams, that was okay. I played a Daryl Henderson to uh, get McCaffrey and Galladay and Stafford all in the lineup, and, and he gave me nine last week, so that was all right. You know, we've been in the top six every week but one, so we've been consistently strong. You know, and it was a rare week where Stone was was happy. I saw him at a at a Halloween party on Saturday night, and Michigan was was taking care of business, just destroying Notre Dame. So he was absolutely thrilled about that. Did I tell you what I dressed up as for Halloween? I was just about to ask you. That was the only question I had here. <laughs> so it was a a Halloween party, and we had an unbelievable time. Great people, great friends, and the theme of the Halloween party was you had to go as as a singer, okay? okay? So you had to go as a rock star, pop star, whatever sure. it was. So Joey McIntyre, you know. Oh, that would have been a good one. It would have been great. Just for the podcast, <laughs> that would have been good. But, and I'll put a picture Thursday on Instagram. I went as Axl Rose. I can see that. Axl Rose, Katie dressed up as Slash. It was <laughs> tremendous. Absolutely. I mean, I wasn't even recognizable as Axl Rose. So Stone was was all pumped up. You know, he was riding high. He's feeling great. Life is wonderful. Michigan wins. He checks the DraftKings lineup. He's thrilled. Feeling good. And then he watched the Jets against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And that that was not good. But so we were solid in in this league, the DraftKings League. It was sixth overall. Uh, that was that was strong. The kids league. My goodness. 
You know, they have Patty Mahomes. Ugh. You know, by the way, and this goes to my Matt Nagy rant earlier in the show, we bench David Montgomery because you can't trust Matt Nagy. Oh. That didn't work out. We picked up Jacoby Brissett to start a quarterback. That didn't work out. Maya was thrilled. You know, her big draft pick was Julian Edelman. He had a couple of touchdowns. Michael Thomas, that was Jolie's pick. He was excellent. Leonard Fournette's finally bouncing back. That was tremendous. We got slaughtered. No. The kids got slaughtered. Yeah. What's their record? Two and six. How do you turn this around? You can't. You can't. you can't because <laughs> we don't have a tight end. Oh. We, we can't turn it around. Mahomes is hurts. We'll get Prescott back off a bye, so that'll be good. He's got the Giants. I did win in the league that I'm in with friends in town. I'm now six, no, five and three. Five and three. Saquon coming back. And I won without Adam Thielen. By the way, you want to hear the joke of fantasy football? It's more luck than ever, right? You know, I'm I'm in the car on the way home on Thursday from CBS from time to shine. I'm like, man, I got to pick up a kicker. I'm playing against Kirk Cousins. I'm like, oh, nobody has Dan Bailey. I pick up Dan Bailey. He outscores Kirk Cousins. So that's that's when fantasy football is a joke. So long live the, the daily leagues and... Long live Stone's victory with Michigan because as a Jets fan, he's not going to have anything going anytime soon. Here's what's on Shine's mind. Thank you for listening to another incredible episode of the Adam Shine podcast. Rich Gann and my guy, absolutely incredible. Bob Stew, sensational as always. Thanks to our incredible listeners on SiriusXM On Demand. Thank you to our listeners on Pandora. Thank you, of course, to our listeners on Apple and with Stitcher. Please hit the subscribe button. Leave a review since you love the Adam Shine podcast. You can always catch me every weekday on my SiriusXM radio show, Shine on Sports, which airs from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, on SiriusXM, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Channel 82. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week on the Adam Shine podcast. This is the Adam Shine Podcast. For more from Adam Shine, listen to Shine on Sports on Mad Dog Sports Radio. Weekdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, Sirius XM 82. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.